It's a good find. Well, welcome to our Wednesday night equip. You can take out your notes. If this is your first time, we'd like to welcome you. And uh, as you look at your notes, they're blank because we want us we want to dig deeper into the Word of God. And when we come on Sunday morning, sometimes it's already filled in. The scriptures are already there. But we encourage you to bring your Bibles on Wednesday night so that you can underline and take some notes on the side. Uh, don't be afraid to to write notes in your Bible. It's okay. That way, when you scroll through it, you thumb through it, uh, flip the pages, you'll be able to see the good things that God has done throughout your life. And keep your Bibles uh, close to you, because you never know when you're going to need the Word of God. So we bring them on Wednesday night, right? Right. right. So thank you, ushers, for uh, uh, doing the tithes and offerings. But tonight, we're going to be in the book of John, so you could turn there, John chapter 6. And our Wednesday nights, the purpose of our Wednesday night is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's, that's the purpose of our Wednesday night. Sundays are different than Wednesday night. Sundays are geared more for the believer to invite their family and friends who don't know Jesus Christ. So that when they invite them to Sunday morning, they get to know Jesus in a real practical way. And in a way that they could relate to. So that's why we have our Sunday mornings. Wednesday night are geared for us. We call it the second mile or our Wednesday equip service, those who want to just get a little bit deeper or, or for some, uh, they just, from Sunday to Wednesday, you just need that, you know, that extra push. You know, a couple of days without being in the Word of God or, or worshiping together, it's like your spirit starts to decay and start to diminish. But when you gather together and we worship the Lord together, then we get encouraged together. Also, on top of that, being in the Word of God daily, doing our devotions or reading the Word of God, that keeps us going. It keeps us motivated. It keeps our spirits going and it keeps our spirits strong. If we only ate food physically, only ate food on Sundays and Wednesdays, that wouldn't go well for health. And so it is with our spirit. We don't just want to eat on Sundays and Wednesdays. We want to spend time with the Lord in our spirits every single day of the week. So that's, that's part of being here on Wednesday night. We get to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Tonight, we're going to continue in talking about the miracles of Jesus Christ. And we've been talking about how he performed different miracles. And, and that miracles are not so that people will focus on the miracle, but that they will focus on the miracle maker, the one who does the miracles. And humanity does that. Humanity will, you know, we see something uh, that someone does that is amazing uh, we, we tend to talk about what happened rather than the person because that's just a part of who we are. But what Jesus wanted to do was show us miracles so that we could be drawn closer to God, not just the miracle itself. All miracles were healings, but not all healings are miracles. And the miracles that Jesus did is just amazing. And we're going to look at that. Some of us, when we were growing up, uh, we would play in mud. And we would play in dirty water. We would play in the gutters. You would go moss sliding. Uh, you would, you'd, you know, play in the bushes and make trails and you'd get all muddy. Uh, but when we see our kids doing that or, or we see little ones doing that, we're like, hey, get out of the water. You're going to get sick. And we say that. Some people, they don't, think, they don't care. They say, I had a building their immune system. They'll be all right. But if they have a cut and there's bacteria in the water, then they get sick. Now, whether or not we build our immune system or whether we get sick, we get sick because of our human nature, because we're fallen creatures. 
because we have this thing called sin. So the body no longer is eternal. Our bodies are temporary. So our immune system is not like how it should be. It only can do so much. Our bodies can self-heal. That's, what God, that's how God created us. It actually self-heals, but He's the healer. He's the one that created us. We don't heal ourselves. God is the healer. But He put things in our bodies so that when we have a cut, then it heals up. If there's a bacteria or some type of infection, then our immune system kicks in. If we have a weak immune system, then we have trouble. But if we have a strong immune system, then it can fight off all the bacteria and all the things that do not belong there. Now, whether you catch a cold or, or a virus or bacteria or something, healing can take place. But what about the ones that there is no cure? Or what about the diseases, the ones that we fight against? Right now, we, we, we understand that there are many people who are struggling with cancer. How do we... How do we explain the ones that get healed and the ones that don't get healed? How do we explain that? Because if God is the healer, then why doesn't He heal, why doesn't he heal everyone? And I think that's the point. That's the whole idea of why we're talking about Jesus being the healer, the miracles of Jesus Christ. Because we may tend to think or want everyone to be healed. We, we do. We want everyone to be healed physically. We want to spend more time with them. We want to be with them. But that's only because we, we love the person in this world. There's nothing wrong with that. We love people. And so we want people healed. But here's what I want us to catch. When it comes to the miracles of Jesus Christ, although Jesus loves us in this world, Jesus loves us into all of eternity. We don't have that kind of love to give. It only comes from Christ. So that's the reason why we want people healed here and why we hurt so badly when they're not healed. Some people won't believe in God because they'll say, well, if God did exist and you prayed for that person, then they would have gotten healed. Why didn't that person get healed? It has nothing to do with the healing or the man who's praying or the woman who's praying or the faith that the person has. It really comes back to God. Did God want them healed? See, sometimes we think that it's a man thing. It's not. He, miracles and healings are not... It's, it's not man. It's all God. He wants the glory. And when God chooses to heal someone or not here on this earth, it's really up to Him. Now, we can't control that. We can't make God do anything. Oh, we hope that God would heal. We hope and pray. Remember when Jesus called Lazarus back from the grave? Lazarus, he's been dead for four days. Jesus comes and Mary and Martha said, Jesus, if you came earlier, he wouldn't have died. And, and Jesus said, no, no, no. God will be glorified. He calls Lazarus out of the grave and Lazarus is now alive and well. But that's not the end of the story. Lazarus did pass away. He didn't live on forever. So I wonder what happened after he really passed away. You know that second passing? What happened then? Because Jesus had already gone to the cross. Lazarus was still alive. 
And I wonder what was going on with people when Lazarus passed away. You see, we will all pass on. But we need to pass on in order to get to heaven. Heaven is a beautiful place. That's our home. This is not our home. As much as you would love visiting people and, and, and traveling and, and staying at hotels and all of that, isn't it wonderful when you come home from traveling to lie down on your own bed? Oh, it's the best thing in the world. Your pillow, your bed, your drool, it's all yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, but there's something about you coming home. And that's the same feeling we'll get when we get to heaven. Oh, earth and this world is a, is a beautiful place that God created. And yes, there are things that are not going well. But when we get to heaven, oh boy, what a beautiful place. And, and we'll be at home. Until then, we got work to do. That's why God says that I'm going to choose you to be a light into this world in a crooked and perverse generation. That the miracles that He's going to do, it's not just to have miracles and so that people can be healed and so they can live longer. It's so that He could be glorified so people can come to know Him so that they can spend eternity with Him in heaven. That's what He's after. He's after each and every one of us. Now in John chapter 6, and if you've turned there, I'm going to read from verses 1 to about 14, 15. And this is about Jesus, the miracle that Jesus did when it came to food. Many of us would love this story because sometimes we don't have enough food. And Jesus even is the provider of food. He's a miracle of food. Now we love it when He can heal people, but this story is a little bit different in this miracle. Again, not every miracle was a healing, but all healings were miracles. And in this case, this miracle is not a healing. It says this, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed Him, because they saw His signs, which He performed on those who were diseased. So He did do the miracles with those who were diseased, and the people followed Him. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there He sat with His disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seen a great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now watch this next sentence. But this he said to test them, for he himself knew what he would do. Now let's pause there for a moment. Have you ever been in a situation where you said to maybe your spouse or your family, I don't know where we're going to get food from. I, you know, we've we got to cook dinner tonight. There's nothing to eat. I don't know where we're going to get food from. But at that moment is where the test is. It's at that very moment. Because Jesus knows what he's going to do. In verse 7, Philip answered him, Well, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Well, there is a lad here, which is a young boy, who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Now, five barley loaves of bread. First of all, you didn't give five barley loaves of bread to children. 
You actually fed that to animals, barley loaves. It was given to animals, which shows how poor this child was, maybe even the family. But he had five barley loaves of bread, and he had two fish. Then Jesus said in verse 10, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Now we have close to 400 here tonight. Imagine if, <laughs> if we were starving, we were hungry, and someone said, Oh, I have five loaves of bread and two fish. Scrap. Everybody would fight. Now we would share. We'd have a bite each. But look what happens. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So Jesus knows what was going to take place. He knew what he was going to do. And so he says, bring the loaves to me, bring, bring the fish to me. And so they did. And so Jesus said to his disciples, first of all, he blessed it. He said, God, may you bless this food and may you multiply it. So he gave it to the disciples. Now, I'm imagining Jesus, because Jesus is not passing out the fish and bread. It's the disciples. Now, I can almost picture Jesus just standing and watching, watching his disciples, what, he's gonna, what they're going to do. And so he gave it to them, and they're passing out the fish and bread. Here you go, sir. Here you go, ma'am. Here you go. Hey, take one, pass it down. Pass it, pass it, pass it. And they're doing this, and after a while, they're like, how come still got? Why is there? And they're looking at, hey, Peter, how much you got left? What? How come? I still have two. Pass out, pass out, pass out. After everybody's eaten, I'm wondering what the disciples are doing. I, see, if, I think it was, if it was me or maybe us, that we'd be passing it out, looking at Jesus like, hey, working. <laughs> it's working. Look, they, everybody's eating. And I, I, I think we'd be amazed at what would be taking place. I, I don't think we'd just pass it on and say, oh, yeah, yeah, he's multiplying the fish and bread. Remember, this is the first time this has happened in this way, that they're passing out the fish and bread, passing it out. We hear the story and we read it, and so and we've experienced this at, at certain uh, functions that we've had. We've had water baptisms. We've had our, our uh, connecting with the family, and we've seen God multiply the food. We don't know how it happened, but it did. Ask Pastor Charlie when he cooks for a certain amount of people, and it's going to run out. They pray for some reason. God multiplies it. So we we stand on the faith of the Word of God. They didn't have that story yet. Because they had Jesus. Listen, to have Jesus is better than any miracle that we could ever experience. That alone is the miracle. If you have Jesus in your life, that is the greatest miracle to experience. It is the Son of God living in you. That's His Spirit in you. Whatever obstacle you're going to come against, you can overcome it. Why? Because the Son of God dwells in you. He's, he's the miracle maker. It's like he's just, he, like how he was standing and watching the disciples. And he, know, he knew the miracle was going to take place. So he's doing the same thing with us, watching us in what we're going to do in our marriage. Can we make it work out? He's waiting for us, watching us, saying, I'm the miracle maker, but you, gotta go in, you, you have to go out in faith knowing that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something in your marriage. I'm going to do something in your family. I'm going to do something with your finances. I'm going to multiply the food that you need. I'm going to do this, but you have to move. You have to do something. And Jesus will watch us move in faith because he's the miracle maker. He's the one that's going to do it, not man. Now, I've prayed for people before, and sometimes they got healed, sometimes they didn't. 
And I'm just saying, when they come back to me and say, I went to the doctors and it's gone. I'm healed. In my mind, I'm thinking, what? Really? Like, then that's my faith. It's not on that person. It's just me. Because it's not me who healed. It's the Lord who did. We can't heal people. We can put Band-Aid and super glue them, but we can't heal. You know what I mean? We cannot, we cannot bring people complete healing. We can't do that. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That's why I get a little bit uh, uh, just, uh, I, I wouldn't say doubtful, but it, it just bugs me a little bit when I see sensationalism where there's healing and people are, are you know, uh, there's just so much drum, dramatic uh, things going on and they, they look to the man who's healing and they, they, they don't worship the man, but it's kind of like they exalt the man. It's not the man's fault if they're not receiving it. If that man is bringing glory to God, then great. But it's really not about the person. And I thought, well, Lord, there are some where you, you watch and you think, oh, boy, that almost seems fake. Have you ever watched those things? Or it almost looks fake. And I thought, Lord, do you, can you, you even use those people? And here's what I found out. It's not that person that's healing. It's the Lord that's healing. Now, that person's going to be accountable to God if they want the glory. You know what I mean? If they want all of that. But Jesus will heal the person because of their faith in Him, not their faith in that man. That's the Lord we serve. And I want us to be a people that say, Lord, because you live in me, there's nothing you cannot do. Anything you want to do in my life, I can do because you said I can and you're the miracle maker. You just put a list together in your mind. What, what, what are you dealing with? What, what area in your life do you need a miracle? What area? It could be sickness. It could be disease. It could be, it could be finances. It could be your marriage or relationships. Whatever it would be. You think, what is it? And then go to Jesus Christ. It's that simple. You go to Him. He's the miracle maker. Which means it's all possible through Him. Then it continues. And I love, I love how Jesus continues in this story after he, he, he passes out as much, as much as they wanted. In verse 12, so when they were filled, he said to his disciples, this, this is the best, gather up the fragments that remained so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Now, these guys that said this, everyone knew that, that the Messiah was coming. They, they knew about that. And we read about that in, in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, uh, a couple weeks ago and even last week a, li- a little bit. But he's... he's He's showing the people that there is something that he's about, something that he does. But it's not just for the miracle itself. It's so that they follow him. Now, this child who had the five barley loaves and the two small fish, I was wondering, was that the only person who had food? Was that the only person who had something? Now, think about it. 5,000 people. 
men. That's what the Bible says, 5,000 men. So they actually estimate over 10,000 people with the women and children. So 10,000 people. Tell me somebody else didn't have something. Musubi, anything, something. You know what I mean? And somebody has food right now. I guarantee right now in this church where it says, please do not bring any food or drinks in here. Somebody has food on them right now. And I'm not, I'm not going to search or anything. You know who you are. I'm just saying, even in a crowd of 400 people, don't point to anybody. Don't point. Just, just in this crowd, we can find food. Now these, these two, this, this child with the, the two fish and five barley loaves, I wonder, I wonder if because Jesus was asking them to feed these people that the child didn't care about what people thought. That it was a child who said, yeah, I have food. Here, you can have it. I wonder if as adults, our childlike faith goes away. Where maybe the adults that were sitting down and, and they say it, it was like a cove like this where where you had the, the pier over here and you had the, the boats in the water and there was a hill and you had people just here all over the place, all on the side of the hills. And imagine 10,000 people. Now, we just had our ho'olaulea in our uh, city of Hilo and they estimated close to that. Now, imagine all of these people and here comes this little child to Jesus. I wonder how many adults... We're probably thinking, don't, don't give him the five barley loaves of bread and two fish. What, what is that going to do? Why even do that? Don't, don't do that. That's, I wonder if as adults, they probably said, I do have, but if we all can't eat, then I'm not going to even share it. Lest I be ashamed. Because I think as adults... We don't step out because we don't want to look foolish. We don't want to say, yep, God is healing my, he's healing my life, he's healing my marriage, he's healing this, he's doing that, because of what we see. But Jesus said, you, you need faith like a child, who when there's 10,000 people to feed, the child says, I have something to give. Do not our children do that when we're saying, oh, i got to pay the bills. I have $300. i got to do this. Here comes our little children with like 10 cents. Mommy, I have a dime. What do we say in our mind? 10 cents. That's all. You know how many 10 cents I need? I need like 300 of those 10 cents just to even start off. But the little children, they don't know. They just feel that like, I have something to contribute. That's all Jesus is asking of us. Because we're not the miracle makers, He is. But He needs something to contribute with. He needs us to be a part of it. He needs us to step out. He needs us. He, he wants us to be a part of what He's going to do. He already knew what He was going to do. Imagine when we get to heaven, this kid is going to be a superstar. I mean, we can question Him. We can ask, we can ask Him, what was His thoughts? What did He think? And, but he, he stepped out. Now, in the Sea of Galilee and even in the Jordan River, they have fish there. They have big fish, but they're catfish, and they're unclean, so the Jews won't eat them. And because they won't eat them, they just keep growing and growing and growing. We have a picture of, of some of them. And in this uh, picture right here, you can see the catfish. That, that's, yeah, kind of gross looking. We, we, some of us know what cat, catfish looks like. 
But that's catfish. And they keep growing big because they're in the Sea of Galilee and, and the Jordan River. And nobody's going to eat them. No Jew is going to eat them because they're unclean fish. Also, if this next slide, people, when they visit the Jordan River, they walk down these steps and they get baptized in that water. And there's catfish swimming around them. People get freaked out because they're, you know, it's a holy moment. You know, they're, oh, Lord. Ah! What is this? Hurry up, baptize me! And they go on there, just put me down quick. Just come back up. Because why? There's catfish all over the place. So there's fish in Galilee and in the Jordan River. So they have fish. But this is what the fish looked like that the child brought. And it was two small fish like this. They still serve this. It's called St. Peter's fish. And it's, it's almost like kole. If any of you love kole, some of you, yeah, you eat that thing up, bone and all. But, but they're serving it fries and a little, you know, modern-day lemon wedge, if you want, on the side. So they ha- he had two of these, two of these fish. And he brought these to Jesus Christ. Now, it wasn't on a plate with fries, okay? This is just modern-day today. But that's the fish. That's how small it is. And he brought it to Jesus Christ. See, I, I, I would have thought, oh, he must have brought some huge ahi. You know, maybe that's what it was. No, it was two small fish. And Jesus was able to feed 10,000 people. Tell me Jesus cannot do even that much more with the miracles that we look forward to. He's, he wants to do it. He knows what he's going to do. He's just waiting for us to be a part of it. I'm going to read and, and, and kind of wrap things up. But it says in verse 15... Because this is after everything took place. It says, Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. And now, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark. And Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat. And they were afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Now it's, it's, written, in, in, you know, it's written in this form so we don't know how quickly time went by, but we do know this, that because there was a great wind, fear came among the disciples. Even though Jesus will do a miracle, our human nature will still be afraid even after miracles take place. We'll still be afraid. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. And then they willingly received him into the boat. The reason why they were afraid is because they didn't know it was Jesus walking on the water. This is when they were in the boat. The winds came up. They were afraid. They saw Christ and they said, Christ, we need you. He came into the boat and then everything was calm. But this is what I love about it. Immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. You and I with Christ, are going somewhere. We're not just existing in this world. 
He's taking us places. Now, it may not be a physical thing like they did, and they went from one place to another, but He's doing something in our life. He's, he's, he's always progressing us forward. I think tonight, as we, as we conclude, I want to encourage you with this. You and I will, on this thing called time, if we have different points of time, we'll, we'll go into a, a cycle of our life. We will, we'll, we'll have problems, we'll solve them, we'll do well. Another problem will come up, we'll solve them, we'll do well. It, it'll, it'll, it's, it'll keep going like that. That's, that's how life is. Very rarely will we enter or, or be in a long season where we have absolutely no problems. We're, we're going to have... History shows us that, that we repeat ourselves over and over and over again because we're in this temporary world. We can, o- we can only do so much in this temporary world. Think about it when, when uh, written form or, or when uh, writing came out and they, they started to write. That was the new technology they could write on, uh, on tablets. In fact, God came out with the first iPad. It was the Ten Commandments on stone, so I don't know what the big deal is. And then from there, not just stone, but they wrote, they wrote on uh, papyrus paper, and then they wrote on different kinds of paper, and it evolved to what we have today. But we go in circles. We, we keep going in circles. New technology, written form, and then uh, music comes out, and then we can put music on, like uh, we have the old phonographs, or the, the beeswax, were, I mean, really, the old, old ones where they would record on that, and then they would put it on LPs or records, and then they would put on on 8-track tapes, and then cassette tapes, and then uh, they would put it on CDs and then DVDs, and then they would have it on a hard drive. The same thing is music. It's just in a different form. Now we have text messaging, but it's still words. We're still going in circles. Yes, technology is advancing, but really, the written form is not. We still write. We still talk. We still do the basic things. In other words, we're, we're going in circles here on this earth. But that's why it's important to stay close to Christ, because He doesn't go in circles. He always progresses. He continuously progresses. He progresses. So if I'm struggling here in my marriage, five years later, I should not be struggling with the same things. Why? Because if I'm living for Christ, then He's progressing me forward. I, Heidi and I talk about this all the time. We, don't, we want to enjoy life. We don't want to waste five years dealing with the same thing over and over again. I don't want to waste five years of my life dealing with the same things over and over again. But here's what happens. I'll do five years, five years, five years. Altogether, 15 years of my life gone doing the same thing over and over again because I'll do well, I'll get, I'll get everything good, everything will be great, and then I do something. And then again, I do another five years, and it continues on, and I waste 15 years of my life when Jesus says, all those in Christ are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Catch this. That's only possible through the miracle maker. Don't waste 15 years of your life dealing with the same thing over and over or in your marriage. Let the miracle maker change us from the inside out because we're new creations in Him. 
and you fight forward no matter how hard it is. You can close your Bibles and put away your notes. We're going to pray and, and, and close. And I pray tonight that we'd stay close to Christ. He's the miracle maker. He wants to do miracles. He knows what's going to happen. We just come against those tests. The tests will come. And the tests He gives are not so that we fail, it's so that we pass. And so that we can get on to the next test. It's called the school of life. But we have the best teacher. His name is Jesus Christ. Yes, absolutely. Would you bow your heads with me and we're going to pray. Lord Jesus, our, our heart tonight is, is to stay close to you, that you're the miracle maker. That you said that greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in our hearts, that is in us, than he that is in the world. For it is not I who live, but Christ in me. So Lord, whatever miracle you're going to do, you already know you're going to do it. We're just up against the test. Whatever it may be. You're the, you're the one that heals the blind. You heal the brokenhearted. You heal the leper. You heal the lame. You heal the diseased, the sick. You heal the deaf. But you're also a provider of food. Even though we may not have from time to time, you're able to multiply what we don't have. May we have that childlike faith that says, Lord, this is, this is what we have. But we give that to you. So, Lord, I pray for all of us tonight, whatever miracle you're going to do, that we will be on the lookout for it. And when that test comes, that we would step on in faith, knowing that you have already made the miracle happen. We just need to walk in it. How blessed is the man who trusts in you. That's our heart tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said, Amen. Amen. What a good God we serve.